tough times are freaking awesome. In my experience, when I've gone through adversity, that's the piece which I've used to fuel me. Hi, I'm Holly Ransom, and welcome to Coffee Pods, a podcast devoted to fueling your difference. Here at Coffee Pods, we have a simple hypothesis that in the mere amount of time it takes to share a cup of coffee with someone, we can tap into a lifetime of experience. And that's exactly what we aim to do here at Coffee Pods, to give access to some incredible individuals who've marched to the beat of their own drum and who are willing to share their advice, their highs, their lows, their insights, in order to help give each and every one of us the toolkit and the inspiration to fuel the difference that we're trying to make in our own lives, communities and organisations. Coffee Potters, we've got a brilliant guest for you on this podcast. Joining me is Elisa Messenger, the vibrant and game-changing CEO of The Messenger Group and the founder and editor-in-chief of Collective Hub Magazine, which was an entrepreneurial lifestyle magazine distributed into over 37 countries. Lisa's authored and co-authored 16 books and become a real go-to in the startup scene. One of the things I love about this podcast is how vulnerable, real, and raw Lisa is, not only about her own life and the journey to build Collective Hub, but also some of the more recent challenges she's found herself in. It's a really great set of lessons for aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, for people who are thinking about taking risks, for people who've got an idea that they're working on, and also anyone who's interested in the journey of self-discovery for that matter. It's packed with a lot of honest reflection, and I think you'll really thoroughly enjoy it. Without further ado, here's Lisa Messenger. Well, Lisa Messenger, thank you so much for making the time to be on Coffee Pods. I've been so excited for this conversation. I'm so excited to be here with you. It's amazing. It's been a few years since we've seen each other, but what was really cool as well is sort of knowing part of your story and then getting the opportunity in preparation for this to go and research bits and pieces that I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things I loved about what you said about yourself growing up was that you were kind of someone who challenged authority from a really young age. I wanted to know whether there was that entrepreneurial spirit burning away from a really young age too. Yes, I think so. But the challenging the status quo and um, and bucking the trend and being rebellious at school, I think in a very um, convergent society (laughs) is, you know, frowned upon when you're asking, but why, but why, but how, but how? And I wrote about it in my first book, Daring and Disruptive, how I remember my maths teacher, Mr. Kamarami, actually picked me up on my chair while I was still sitting, sitting on it and carried me, put me outside the classroom, closed the door and I was sitting on a chair alone in the hallway and that was kind of my entire schooling and you know that perplexed me at the time and I remember saying to a girlfriend of mine there's got to be another way like surely these people all don't know you know even though they're authoritarian figures are they doing the right thing? But of course, I didn't have the emotional intelligence or anything to understand what that was. So when you say, was I always entrepreneurial? I think so, but I just hadn't learned to channel it. And I kind of find it totally ironic that these days I get asked back to speak at my school (laughs) and other educational (laughs) institutions. And suddenly the very thing that I was always in trouble for within the confines of the education system is what I'm celebrated for now. And I'm kind of like hang on, this is weird. Like, I'm kind of still the same person. Yeah. And now that I dare to challenge the status quo and ask, but why, but how, everyone's like, that's awesome. So, yeah, am, 
am continuously perplexed by this whole notion. And, you know, I love going back into the school system now and really challenging that. So if I'd gone to you at school and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? What, what do you think you would have told me? It's interesting because it's only in hindsight, looking back, you kind of go, oh, yeah, like my career, nothing makes sense. It's completely illogical in a perfectly logical way. But all I know is this. I had this huge burning desire and this energy. So I went to boarding school and in year 10, I got back to school and I refused to unpack my suitcase. And I said something along the lines of, I'd never been overseas, by the way, until I left school. Like, um, you're a country girl, right? Yeah, country girl. So led kind of a very sheltered life in a little bubble. But I just was like, I said to my mom and she still says to me, I don't know what was going on, but I was like, I don't want to unpack my bags. I've got something bigger to do. Now I was what, 16. I had no idea. But somehow inside me there was this, and I believe in all of us, you know, there's this yearning or this, you know, it's just waiting for the light to be switched on. And it took me probably another, I don't know, 20, 15 years to actually truly understand and step into that. But I think it was always kind of inherent and sitting within me. It just took a long while and a lot of personal development and therapy to understand (laughs) what that actually was. That's one of the things I find so refreshing about you is that you talk really honestly about how hard it is to find your why how Mm. how important doing that work is to be able to understand yourself and know what you want to do in the world and I think particularly in your previous books the the way that you've talked about your 20s you know how challenging they were but also how transformative they were can you take our listeners to to kind of what that chapter of your life taught you or revealed yeah so 20s I mean I had no semblance of who I was I was leading life according to other people's expectations I was you know like so many people that I've um, you know talked to on a daily basis across a multitude of channels all these people who are like oh well I just do this because that's what my parents said or I do this because that was what was expected or mm. it felt cool or and it takes a lot of energy to kind of strip all of that back so for me I often say to people people are like oh I'm going through a really tough time so I can't do anything now I'm like tough times are freaking awesome in my experience when I've gone through adversity that's the piece which I've used to fuel me and I think mm. that's the beautiful thing when you learn to flip your mindset into an attitude of gratitude or being really pissed off with something so my 20s I was drinking a lot I truly knew drank myself to death like it was a very um, horrible time and I think that was largely you know I was a creative and I didn't have an outlet and so I just drank to kind of numb myself because I hadn't yet found what it was and so I would challenge people to look at what are you what's holding you back what are you using to self-sabotage and for me I think I was surrounded by a lot of the same people that I'd been surrounded by since school I was living life very safely I was comfortable so I think I was frustrated and I channeled that into you know drinking and partying and binging and because I didn't hadn't yet found my why or my purpose and so that was just the only way that I knew how to kind of numb out and use it as a crutch and do be courageous enough to go what is it that I'm using to help to keep myself small or stop myself from truly growing into the best version of who I can Mm. be and yeah so 20s drinking a lot alienated my family didn't speak to my mum my dad my sister for three years and family is so important to me was in a job that I didn't really love so you know my life was kind of like spiraling rapidly out of control and yeah and and, you know it was kind of you have to hit rock bottom sometimes to go what was the catalyst for change yeah look it wasn't pretty 
I think I got to such a place of sheer desperation Mm. and you know luckily I met someone who helped me to turn my life around quite quickly and stopped drinking and was suddenly like and did some hard work did a course called the Hoffman process um in 2004 which was basically an eight-day intensive cathartic process which involved a lot of kind of crazy you know journaling and rituals and hitting things with baseball bats and (laughs) stuff that I'd never been exposed to and I went into that course as one person and I came out like an entirely different person like something the light switched on and I was like whoa that's how I've been living my life and yeah from that moment I was like right I consciously choose happiness it gives me shivers even talking about it because it was such a defining moment for me and gave up drinking, mended my relationships with my family and I have the most beautiful relationship now and started my own business and kind of went on this journey of, okay, what is this? Yeah. And stepped into it in a big way. That was the period of your life where you jumped into your own business. You were in your 30s yeah. when, when you kicked that off. Yeah. You've been on an amazing journey with the, the collective and I use that as an umbrella term because it's had so many businesses iterations. and iterations and I think it's been amazing to watch that evolve before we get into kind of that just talk about what you'd love to have known then that you now know about ah. doing about running a business that anything is possible I mean that sounds so simple but I mean you and I have been on huge journeys and I want to flip this one day and interview you properly I think the thing is so much of what I talked about personally applies in business like living life according to other people's expectations thinking there's only one way to do things all that kind of thing and what I realized is that everyone is making it up every (laughs) single day none of us have really got any idea and the thing is the more you push things you know once you step into your purpose and your why and it's so simple for collective habits igniting human potential it's three words that's as simple or as complex as it gets for me it's um, being an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs living my life out loud showing that anything is possible so from that it's really like as long as I stay on purpose and um, you know and I use those things as my litmus test every single day mm. it opens up so much opportunity yep. and as you know because you've also been exposed to extraordinary thought leaders all over the planet like everyone is just human and mm. as soon as you meet people and really meet them I don't mean like physically meet them but meet them on the same wavelength and believe that we're all equal and have you know allow yourself to have big conversations then freaking hell anything is possible that I know for sure now like you know six years ago before collective was even an idea just the semblance of where it's gone is almost unfathomable but now that I've been there I can truly say just have a go just start you know find what's holding you back just know that anything is possible and we're all humans yeah completely we're all equal it's just yeah, some completely. people have more of a propensity for risk than others. Yeah. And so it's about continuing to learn and evolve and equip yourself with the tools to really step into the best version of you. And what have been some of those critical tools for you? When you think back and go, we wouldn't be where we are today if I hadn't done X, Y, Z, or I hadn't gotten these sorts of people around me. What's been really pivotal for you? Many things. I mean, from a personal level, I think continuing to evolve and you know educate myself and surround myself with extraordinary thought leaders and find out what my trigger points are and you know how to actually (laughs) self-regulate and equip myself with tools so that you know we all get anxious or overwhelmed and knowing that I can fall back to meditation or Mm. journaling or certain rituals like having a green smoothie every morning because you're one of the most energetic 
energetic people I know. So I've actually wondered how you manage your energy. So it is those rituals and those restorative kind of practices. It's ironically for someone who's such a little punk rebel like me, it's routines and rituals Mm. and sort of doing those fairly religiously. But yeah, I mean, that is one big thing personally. I think the only way to do as much as we do is, and I don't know if that's your experience, is having a lot of things that are not negotiables in my life around food, exercise, you know, just simple things. Having a green smoothie every morning. Then if I have hot chips for lunch and it all goes downhill, at least I've started the day right. (laughs) So it's all kind of moderation and not being too hard on yourself. But also, I love gardening. So sometimes I'll just go outside. It might be three minutes and I'll have the secateurs and I'll just chop a few bushes. And it's like, it just grounds me. It brings me back to earth. So there's things like that, you know, from a personal perspective. And then business-wise, I think something that's really important is mentors, But I say mentors for a very specific reason. I think, and I don't know what your experience around this is, but so many people say to me, who is your mentor? Mm. And I say, I have so many because, you know, I have so many different pieces that I dip in and out of. So for me, I have a number of different people that I call on on Mm. a number of different occasions. And that's been probably the most important thing like specialists not generalists the other thing is that I would touch on is you know I'm the queen of failing fast and you know I think years ago even now for a lot of people the word failure you know has so much stigma attached to it I'm like god I fail probably at least 20 times a day I just do it really fast and the beautiful thing now with social media and you know all the different channels that we all have access to is we can test the market quickly get real-time feedback loop and then you know change morph iterate pivot according to what the market wants but still staying true to whatever our purpose is so I think that's really important you know that's been important for me not writing laborious 300 page business plans and sitting on it for 18 months and then seeing if the market's ready, by which time I've run out of money, time, and there is no market. So take us back to kind of the start where you decided to go against the grain, launch a magazine. There's about 5,000 competitors in Australia. Yeah, so, I mean, it was really simple and crazy, really. I mean, so I'd had a marketing agency for years. I mean, when I say marketing agency, it's so you know, over-fabricated. I had three staff <laughs> all under the age of 25. I was I kind that. of bumbling along and, you know, publishing some books for people. Books are very one-dimensional and much more simple than a um, magazine, which is quite complex. But it was funny. I'd gotten really clear on, okay, this is what we're doing now. We're not going to deviate from, you know, this. This is what we stand for. And I went to bed that night and I was like, no, no, there's got to be something bigger. And like you are surrounded by so many extraordinary inspirational people and I just felt like I don't know I woke up and I was like I just gotta bring all these people together I've just gotta step outside my bubble and I'm frustrated um so again frustration is a great place to be I was like I know all these amazing people but there's so much in the media that was like salacious gossip or there were you know you're reading about extraordinary people but it was just about their extraordinary Mm. where they were now and I was like I want to reverse engineer all of that like this same thing we're talking about about me at school but how but how but why but why so I wanted to understand extraordinary individuals and brands and how they got there what was the supply chain why did you start how did you fund this thing um you know how do you find a market how do you offshore how do you 
like the how, 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 why, why, why. So that was how Collective was born. I literally walked into the office to my three staff and I was like, we should do a magazine, which made absolutely no sense because yeah. <laughs> a, I had no experience. I had never worked for a magazine. Three staff under the age of 25, none of them had ever worked for media or a magazine. Yes, highly saturated market. There were 5,000, 5,500 print magazines in Australia alone. Um, so, yeah, and I had no money, no starts, no money, no idea what I was doing. No so if I could pause you there, because I reckon that's where a lot of people stop and shut down yes. the idea, right? Because yes. they go, all too hard, too many things I don't know, too many barriers to entry. What's your advice for how to push through that moment and just not almost become preoccupied with the hurdles? Yeah, so I think frustration in being comfortable. So I would, I really urge anyone listening because when you're comfortable, like I was earning good money, great money actually, much more money than I've ever earned with Collective. <laughs> I had a great lifestyle, you know, I was working with amazing people, but it wasn't enough, you know, it couldn't work out how to scale. I was frustrated as an entrepreneur having had my businesses for 11 years and I was frustrated that no one really seemed to be sharing the behind the scenes stuff. So, mm-hmm. so I would genuinely say kind of pissed off or frustrated is a great place to be. So if anyone listening is in that place, it's an awesome start but then you as you say you come up with an idea and then you hit all the hurdles and it's often easy and I'm sure I've done this it's fascinating to look back probably hundreds if not thousands of times before come up with a great idea and you look back and go wow I wonder how many times I wanted to invent blah 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 and I just wasn't courageous enough and maybe once collective I was courageous enough and so the next stage for me was I'm the queen of selling what I call vaporware things that don't yet exist so so I kind of like went out and I started making phone calls and I I think this is really, really important, you know, rather than developing the product. And as I said before, putting everything into it, not yet knowing if there was a market because theoretically everything was stacked against me. And I literally started going out and I just picked up the phone. And this is where people have got to get brave. You know, I started cold calling basically marketing directors at big companies trying to pre-sell them, you know, an ad or pre-purchase copies of the magazine or whatever they would buy. And literally 79 phone calls, I think it was, and a few meetings and everyone said no. They were like, you have no experience. Are you like, who are you? This is ridiculous. Magazines are dead. Blah, blah, blah. Every single no under the sun. And finally, I got one yes. And what I would say about that is the amount, it was $200,000, but the amount's irrelevant. If it was $20 or $2 million, it's like someone outside of me said yes. So there's that kind of internal validation versus external validation. And it was like, wow, someone believed in me. And he happened to be probably one of the biggest CMOs, chief marketing officers in the country at the time. Listen to the parallels. Don't listen about the magazine industry. But everyone else was out there selling a flat ad on a page. So the magazine model was sell an ad for eight grand or ten grand for a page, whereas the first issue cost me three hundred and fifty grand. So I would have had to sell at least thirty five ads, and people would have wanted it discounted to say five grand. So I would have had to pre sell seventy ads just to underwrite the Mac. It was never going to happen. So instead of doing that deal, the first deal I did was for two hundred thousand dollars. So 79 no's, and then I did a deal for two hundred thousand wow. dollars, which looks like this. And this is important. I was like, what are my saleable, tangible assets? Nothing at that point. Vaporware. Yeah. <laughs> what will I have? What can I sell someone? And I was like, okay, 
I'm sure I can speak. I'm going to have a print magazine so I can do editorial, advertorial. I can put ads in there. I'm going to have a physical copy of a magazine so I can give them copies of that. So I stacked it, right? So I went against the grain and was like, okay, I need a lot of money here. So let's not do a deal for five or 10 grand. Let's do one for 200 grand. So I just did like, I'll do X amount of speaking gigs. I'll give you Mm 5,000 copies of the mag. I'll give you an ad. I'll do stories on your business, blah, blah, blah. And so it kind of was a no-brainer, you know? So I would really encourage people to not give up. Like if you've got that real burning desire, just go, okay, it doesn't yet exist. I have no money, no smarts, no anything, whatever it is. But start to think about what are my saleable, tangible assets? What is my skill set? Can I start running workshops? Can I speak? Can I, whatever it is, and then go out there and sell it. What do you do when you're in the process of getting the 79 no's? It's kind of nuts because I said earlier, I'm the queen of failing fast. Yeah. That was a slow burn. <laughs> Uh, and so often, and I'm sure, I mean, there's possibly, and I think people shouldn't be too hard on themselves. There are probably many times over the previous 11 years where I got to the cusp and had a few no's and knocked it on the head. So, you know, who's to say there weren't other good ideas previously, but for some reason in this, I just was like, I just kept looking at the media and I was like, there's a gap. I'm frustrated. You know, Mm -hmm. if no one else is creating this thing about entrepreneurs and about startups and about this journey, then I'm going to have to do it. And so I just stuck with it. And somehow I stuck in there long enough and someone said yes. And then I was like, my goodness, I better find out. Okay, quick, Google, how to start a magazine. (laughs) Google's so handy. (laughs) I mean, we can talk about what happened next, but you know, I was equipped with some business smarts and business acumen after 11 years of running my own yeah. rather small businesses. But then naivety was a beautiful thing because mm-hmm. whilst a lot of other print magazines were closing because they were doing it the same way it's always been done, I didn't know what couldn't be done. So I started breaking all these rules. I didn't even know I was breaking rules until people started going, oh my gosh, how did you do that? And I was like, oh, I don't know, I picked up the phone because I didn't know that I could like Coles and Woolworths distribution people said what no you don't get into Coles and Woolworths until you've been on shelf for at least seven years well I just was like oh where like reverse engineered took the next logical step where do you buy a magazine oh they seem to be in Coles and Woolworths well I'll ring someone and just keep calling yeah and then the guy was like I remember calls he's like oh no we have this thing called a range review and it happens like once every six months but oh the guy has just lost his job so there won't be a range review for two years (laughs) and I was like I'm instant gratification you know so I eventually got a meeting with someone and I did something nuts and I said I will guarantee you profit guarantee you profit if you range me Where and they're like confidence they're like, I love it. Things like stupid. okay we'll give you a shot so I did a lot of deals like that you know and and that's the thing you've got to hustle and you've got to believe in yourself if you don't believe in yourself no one else will totally agree yeah. now you mentioned that piece around what happened next you have got an amazing pile of your books here and the most recent that's coming out soon is risk and resilience and yes. I was saying to you when you came in I'm really captivated by a couple of things firstly you're really amazing with the way that you transport people into to what you you personally have experienced but secondly there's a beautiful authenticity and vulnerability to what you've shared and as an entrepreneur I appreciate the fact that you're so prepared to go here's what happened and and let me be a guidepost for you let me try and help you figure the way out because you learned a lot through how rapidly the business scaled didn't you crazy yes (laughs) so what were some of those those learnings for you because collective grew 
quickly, enormously, yeah. um, sort of almost overnight, as you touched on. In the scheme of things, when you look at that slow build and then all of a sudden just like you guys hit, the, um, you know, kind of supercharge the engines behind things. Yeah, and so I would say to people, you know, be careful what you wish for and bigger isn't necessarily better. And it's only in hindsight that I can say that. And my partner said to me, my boyfriend said to me recently, he goes, but you chose this. And I was like, I'm very conscious with my wording. And I was like... Mm, but did I? I chose to start this with three people and a bloody big dream and go, you know, let's do something amazing. Um, then, you know, three and a half years in, I suddenly had um, 32 full-time staff, $3 million in salaries, wow. um, 80 plus freelancers. The print mag was in 37 countries. We had about 16 different revenue streams. Like it grew crazy fast and so what happened with that is and this is really important is I'm a freaking awesome creative leader visionary you know I can see things and I love moving forward I am hideous at (laughs) operations IT HR legal finance systems processes and so I didn't have the right to I see quickly enough to kind of like you know back me up with the data data I'm like I'm all about data and I make so many decisions um, that are data informed but when we grew and I've written an entire book called Money and Mindfulness which is you know all around mindset more than data but I was always fastidious about that but suddenly the growth just happened so quickly I kind of took my eye off the ball and suddenly it was fat and it was unsustainable and and I had six direct reports and I swear five of them were doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> and you talk about this moment where your, your CFO came to you yeah. and said, Lisa, we, we may not see you next year. Yeah, and that was funny because I was having a big Christmas party that night and uh, I was in this ridiculous outfit. I remember I had like this skimpy little um, denim onesie on and, <laughs> and I walked into this meeting with my new CFO and we were throwing this party that night for, I don't know, three or 400 people that wow. cost like 70 grand or something, like ridiculously over the top. And um, she called me into this very important meeting and said, we're not going to like last... Yeah, until next year, like the next few months, like the runway had kind of run out and I'd sold two properties, you know, um, for a rainy day. I was holding them and I thought I'd use it as bridging finance and the runway was kind of getting shorter and shorter and it wasn't fun anymore. And people have said to me recently, what's the most courageous thing you've ever done? And I was like, starting collective and breaking collective because... And that is the decision to, to for the audience's benefit that you've made recently, haven't you? Yeah. So I got to a point where I was like, this isn't fun. This isn't what I signed up for. You know, my purpose is stronger than ever, the igniting human potential and me being the entrepreneur for entrepreneurs. But I was like, I cannot lead and be a visionary when every single day I'm in survival mode and it's gone from, you know, fun when you start and it's like we need $1,000 here and there. I feel like my CFO every day was like, we need another $100,000 today. We need another, like, big stuff. And I was like, God. And then I was on the phone trying to, like, dial for dollars. And I was like, I can't go from having these huge, extraordinary 
meetings with big thought leaders and you know doing big stuff in the world and having big impact to like being on the phone to people begging for cash yeah and so a few things yeah I made some silly decisions and grew too fast but I didn't know what I didn't know and then the industry you know the external pieces around well the industry is changing so the brave decision is this and I'm so glad I was brave enough to do it you know five years and 52 print issues of collective you know when I started out I was a little punk rebel and I didn't know anything and we were rebelling every day and it was fun and disruptive and innovative and we were leading the charge breaking stuff and so five years in I know how to do that I know how to do a print mag with my eyes closed you Mm. know and so it wasn't fun so it's like okay well then be courageous enough to break it and that's an interesting point because so many people I think when a brand is very big and very visible it's easier just to stay there but I talked about earlier on getting comfortable being uncomfortable and I'm like I don't want to keep doing that like um, it's time to step into a, a huge other iteration and I can't do that when I'm in survival mode and every day is just same old, same old, operational. So I'm intrigued on two things. What have you learned in this latest chapter and what, yeah. have, what have you changed as a result? So this is what I'm really excited about and this is the next piece. So I've just, after 16 and a half years, every day for 16 and a half years, I've had an office and at least three staff. I now have no office and no full-time staff. Wow. Yeah. A new world. Yeah. So so that was a very, let me give you a red hot tip. It's a lot more expensive to break a business than to start a business. <laughs> Everyone's always like, yeah. And, and oh, I just feel like I have so many more learnings now. And I really believe the universe gives me really big challenging things because I believe I'm on this planet to live it and then share it, you know, and, and help other people along the way. And I I'm so self-assured now and confident and strong enough to share whatever happens to me. So I'm like, well, that was hideous, but yay, because now I can share it. So moving forward, I made all my staff redundant. Very, very, very expensive thing to do. I then took about 16 of them back as freelancers. So everyone now is freelance. Crazy big expensive decision. But I was like, I don't want any full-time staff. I believe in the last 16 and a half years, what I have seen in terms of the workforce fascinates me. You know, when I started and probably for the first 12 years maybe um people worked nine to five or mm-hmm. you know eight till ten it's all whatever it was. Moment, isn't it? yeah and then you know no one ever had a job outside of that and they worked few and they gave their heart and soul and that was how it was it was very and everyone worked in an office and i've just seen this you know and we've written so much about it with collective side hustles and you know decentralized workforces and all of this kind of thing and i'm always like well if i'm going to truly be a great leader and entrepreneur and you know business person then i need to you know really test things and test new ways of working so i very purposefully and consciously restructured in a completely unstructured way and this started my editor of the mag amy it was about two and a half years ago and she said to me, uh, she was actually my, she wasn't my editor at the time, she was one of my team, but she said to me, can I go traveling for four months and can I still work full time, like on a full time salary? And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway, I let her do it. 
and I based it all on KPIs, so key performance and output and deliverables. And she delivered unbelievably. So she has been editing the print mag for the last couple of years, living in Kayama, so two hours wow. south of Sydney, running the entire mag from there. So I was like, and we probably have the best relationship of any of my staff that I've ever had. So I was like, okay, this let's really work. put this to the test and hire specialists, not generalists, on a project-by-project basis, bring people in as and when I need them, have specific budgets, you know, per project, and completely not get into the same mess that I've just got out of. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm loving watching, and I know you watch this closely as well, but I'm loving kind of looking at the trends, and, you know, even corporates are really starting to embrace Mm. this decentralized model, and, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes, but I love this whole idea of, you know, flexible work places and why not what's core for you about making sure you've got the resiliency to take risk to keep going what did you learn about that so one of the biggest things i would say and urge everyone to do is to build up your tool set when things are going well because you know when things are going well you almost i almost become complacent it's like oh my gosh it's so great nothing could ever happen yeah we're killing it nothing's ever no one can touch me it's amazing and that's great but actually that's the time to really build your skill set your toolkit whatever that is for people whether it's exercise back to routines and rituals exercise or meditation or courses to immerse yourself in podcasts to listen to whatever that is that's going to support you um, and give you you know that structure so that when it hits and it hits hard you have the resilience to get through it so yeah when I realized collective was really kind of floundering it was almost too late and it was hell and I spent a lot of hours sobbing on the bathroom floor which by the way is very cathartic well I think sometimes people think you know people like yourself who take risk all the time don't have those moments but I think all of us do right I did because I kind of got myself into a point where, you know, when you have a lot of full-time employees and and it's fascinating, you know, I only have 32. I look at so many and I do so much speaking to big corporates as you do. And, you know, it's always, doesn't matter whether it's Purina Pet Foods or it's the, you know, beauty industry or it's like whatever industry, it's always about how do we stay relevant? How do we, you know, keep moving forward? And I think, gosh, if I got to that point with only 32 staff, um, because we moved so quickly from print to digital Mm. to events and skill sets were evolving and changing and you know I had a responsibility around that then how on earth do big fat corporations with lots of bureaucracy and red tape and status and a pressure to innovate at the same time so I always say we can't predict or control what comes at us but we can control how we deal with it and so I think it's about really equipping ourselves with that skill set luckily I just kept going back to okay meditate you know do the things that support me through this because otherwise I would have fallen apart and you know I wound out of all of that in the proudest most authentic way that I could you know have ever done and uh, yeah so I think it's it's the rituals and just drawing on all of that stuff but yeah it was a tough period (laughs) I so appreciate your authenticity and vulnerability but also how reflective you are in that you continually challenge yourself to find the lesson in it and I feel like this podcast has just been packed you know for our listeners with lessons that they can take from your own experience and and I appreciate the generosity with which you've shared I wanted to ask you you know we're big on turning ideas into action here at coffee pods and so I wanted to ask if you could leave our listeners with a call to action you know to get them uh, in take their earbuds out and go and do something after listening to you what would you like to encourage them to go do 
what I would encourage anyone to do is really, really feel into what is your purpose? What is your why? What are you here to do? That is, I mean, I wrote a whole book about that as well. I mean, that's that's not easy, but that it, that takes a lot of courage. And that could be as simple as just listen to reoccurring things where your friends or people around you keep saying, gosh, you're great at that. Well, is that the thing that lights you up every day? Is that what you love? And is there a way to commercialize it? Or, you know, do you have some big burning desire to make some significant change in the world, but you think you're ill-equipped or you're not the right person to do it? Well, I would just say, just start, like just find find a way. I truly believe that when you step into what you believe your purpose is and what you're meant to do here on this planet, then the how has a way of working itself out. The synchronicity and the serendipity and what has opened up for me as soon as I got really clear on what it was that I wanted to do was like beyond my wildest dreams. And so what I would say to people is don't worry so much about the how, just get clear on the why and then... um, yeah, let it kind of evolve. <laughs> I love it. Well, Lisa, I can't thank you enough for your time. I uh, Congratulations on what you've done with the, the collective chapter of thank your life. You. And I'm so excited to see what comes next. I have no doubt it will be even more amazing than what we've witnessed already. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> thank you, Holly. Beautiful. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired and have some practical ideas for how you can go and fuel the difference you want to see in your life, organisation or community. If that's a yes, please take a moment to send us feedback, shoot me a tweet at Holly Ransom, leave a review for this coffee pod or head to www.coffeepodswithholly.com and send in your questions and suggestions for future coffee pods. But for now, until our next coffee break, I've been Holly Ransom. Thanks for fueling your difference with me.